live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues automotive and motorsports features and special music presentations johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime tv and radio host this program draws on johnny's experience in shooting motorsports and as a professional entertainer musician don't miss johnny roland news guns and motorsports infotainment at its best trust us on this one it's a fun show every monday morning at 10 a.m central right here on the toginet radio network Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? 
Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Hey, Kelly. How are you? I'm good. How is it going? <sighs> I'm having all kinds of electronical, computerized issues mm. over the last two days. Is it the blood moon? I think it was the bloody moon. Me too. <laughs> Stupid bloody moon. It was beautiful, though. Oh, my goodness gracious. It was pretty. Well, when you could see it, right? Well, we could see it like, perfectly here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't. We are like, we, yeah, it was like majorly cloudy and we're all sitting outside trying to watch it and and the clouds were out. And then every once in a while you'd see the moon and we'd be like, quick, 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 everybody come look, come look, come look. And then it would be gone. Oh, that stinks. I know. I was kind of disappointed in that. Oh. But yeah, so we saw part of it, and then um, at, like, midnight we went out, and we saw it was, like, coming out of it, you know? Right. It was like, it was like the moon was coming out of it, and, right. and it was awesome. And then my husband said, so what's the difference between this and when we have, like, a full moon or a partial moon or a thumbnail moon? Like, what's the difference? Do you know? Um... Don't the new moons start and then they get bigger to the full? Well, yeah, but it's still it's still a shadow on the moon. That's why we see the moon in different phases. Well, it was a solar eclipse of the moon. It, that was a that would be a lunar a lunar <laughs> eclipse. So it'd be a fucking holy jeebus. <laughs> oh, Kelly, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the way you think, sunshine girl. Yes. Oy vey. So, yeah, so I'm just kind of like a little wonky, you know? My husband hates stuff like that. He's like, you know, when people say, like, Mercury is in retrograde, he's like, right. you know that's not even possible, right? He's like <laughs> all, all pissed off because Mercury can't possibly be going backwards. It just looks like it is because of the orbit and blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> But here's the thing. He's also the person who doesn't believe in PMS. Okay. Well, enough said. Right? So one of these days when I run over him repeatedly with my car, <laughs> find out that it's a real thing. That has happened before. I know. Do you remember that woman who drove over yes. her husband like three times? Drove over him, backed over him, drove over him, backed over him. <laughs> what? It was an accident. I was trying to see what I was running over, That's and it was him. I thought it was a speed bump. I thought he had installed a speed bump that looked like him. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I really wouldn't hurt my husband. No. And I'm really not going to want to hurt him after we talk to uh, after we talk to Heidi Pullman and the right. our show today because she's she's going to be talking to us about the two minute marriage project. Yes. Does that mean that I only have to be tolerant of my husband for two minutes at a time? Um, it could mean that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, it, it's kind of, it, it's a, it's a great book. It's, um, you know, we're going to be talking to her about it and, and how we can, you know, get our shit together basically as a, as a married couple. She's been married for 15 years. I've been married for 432 years. So I'm thinking I could teach her something. But I'm, I'm curious to see what she has to say about how I can fix my, you know, 
craziness in two minutes a day. So, hey, you know, I fixed my relationship with my kids in, in 10 minutes a day. So well, that's nice. Right. Stop raising Einstein. It's All it possible. takes. A little communication. A little communication, a little journaling, and a whole lot of fun. Makes all the difference. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do, uh, do a webinar about it, Kelly. Oh, nice. I am. I'm going to do a group coaching. I've been getting so many requests from Parent Nation to do a group coaching around the Stop Raising Einstein process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's 12 weeks if you do it with the book. Um, but you need 12 weeks. You, you need 12 weeks to... Uh, you know, to get stuff together as a family, you know, to, to create new habits and so on and so forth. And, you know, like that. So, um, I think we're going to do it. I I think the group coaching though is, is going to be like six weeks. Mm, That's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty jazzed about it. We have a whole bunch of people that are getting involved. So we're going to be putting stuff up on the, uh, on the parent nation Facebook page about that. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be starting that in the new year, though, because it's it's crazy toy season. Oh, sure. So, you know, we're not going to be doing that during crazy toy season because I just got to have the opportunity to lose my mind. Right. And I, I can't be I can't be responsible for anybody else's successful parenting strategies when I'm losing my own <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, let's be real. Let's be real about this. It's uh, yeah. So that's the truth. Speaking of losing your shit. Did <laughs> yes. you? I love, I love talking about the things that people tag me on, on Facebook and sure. Facebook on my, on my page and stuff. So did you see the mom who completely lost it on her nine-year-old? No, and, I missed that one. Oh, Kelly, you've got, it's on my Facebook page. You've got to go there and look at it. It's and watch it and tell me what you think, because here's the deal. So this mom of a single mom of six kids between the ages of one and 14. Okay. Her nine-year-old daughter is out in the front yard of their house, kneeling on the ground, crying hysterically as the mom screams, curses, and throws things at the child. She threw her clothes at her, her toys at her, her shoes at her, all this, like, throwing, like, like having a full-on temper tantrum. The mom. Okay. CPS was called the neighbors, of course, you know, because we are social media driven, the neighbors videotaped it, put it on Facebook, called CPS. You know, they probably should have just called CPS and videotaped it for their own use. But, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there anymore. Um, So they put this up on on uh, on social media. The police, the Child Protective Services come take the six kids out of the house, put them with her mother. Um, excuse me, mom, you might have wanted to support your daughter before this point um, because now she just lost her freaking mind and got her kids taken away from her, and now you have them anyway. You know what I mean? Right. So, but um, basically what happened was she said that the girl, the nine-year-old, was known to throw these violent temper tantrums, so the mom lost it and, like, totally flipped out on the kid, and now she's being investigated for abuse. There, There is one side of Parent Nation that's totally defending this mom, right? Mm-hmm. And there's another side of Parent Nation that's going, you understand that that's still abuse, You know, you can't have your nine-year-old out on your lawn begging for mercy as you scream and curse and throw shit at her, right? right? So, but here's my philosophy. My thought is, 
Okay, first of all, there's so many deep-seated issues in that family. It's not even funny, you know. Right? If Mm -hmm. I was a single mom raising six kids, I'd probably lose my mind every once in a while, too. But here's the thing. I think that the people that are defending her are kind of validating their own mistakes and poor choices occasionally with their kids. Right. By defending this woman's ridiculous behavior. Because we have to admit that it's ridiculous behavior. Right. They're defending themselves. Right. I mean, you should be defending the child because, honest to God, in that scenario, the only person who's justified in acting childish is the child. That kid's the only one. She's been shown no boundaries. She's been shown no real rules and consequences, no respectful behavior. And now you're expecting her to be more mature than you? (laughs) You know, like, like, you know, you want your nine-year-old to rein you back in? Come on. It's ridiculous. It's it's crazy. And uh, I think we expect too much of kids. And then we want to talk crap on on all the crazy stuff that they do. It's we're we're just like we're confusing the hell out of them. But there have been some kids that have been getting it right, though. Yes. There's um, the Aiden. Did you read about little Aiden? Right. He's no. awesome. This uh, I think he's like an eight or eight or seven or eight year old kid. Um, was at the playground with his godfather and he went up on the sliding board and he saw a wallet and he came down and the wallet had, it was a checkbook and it had $8,000 in cash in it. I did hear about that. (laughs) Cha-ching. And, um, so they took pictures, you know, like, like the bounty. (laughs) (laughs) They took pictures of him, put it on Facebook, but then they made the really good choice to go to the police with the money. Yes. And be like, you know what? We found this, and it's the right thing to do to return it. Somebody's probably really hurting because they don't have this money right now. And uh, because it was a checkbook, they knew who it belonged to. So they contacted the guy, and then the guy called them back to the police station and mm-hmm. gave Aiden $100. Cool. Sweet. And the thing that's cool is there was no talk of reward. Aiden just did it because it was the right thing to do, you know? Right, right. So, you know, they, there's kids out there getting it right. I think we need to celebrate those those kiddos a lot more, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, um, did you hear about the, uh, oh, this one just pisses me off. The um, Newport News, Virginia, right? The teacher, she was like, she'd been a teacher for like 40 years, and uh, she was dismissed. She was put on administrative leave for using racial slurs in her classroom, right? Okay. So, so immediately, like, the first thing, the first place everybody's mind goes is, oh, 40-year-old teacher in Virginia using racial slurs. She's probably, you know, KKK redneck, you know, racist. No, no. Here's what she was talking about in her history class, about how words do affect and harm people and how you know, throughout history, the language that we use around certain ethnicities proves how segregated and how biased and racist and everything we truly are against them. And one of the things that they were talking about was the Washington Redskins. Right. And, uh, so she was saying how the Washington Redskins, they want to change the name of the team because it's offensive. It's offensive to Native Americans. And a lot of the boys in the classroom, this is an older classroom, a lot of boys in the classroom are like, you know, it's just a football team. And she's like, well, what if there was a football team called the Newport News N-Word, right? Mm-hmm. 
and a couple of the kids in the classroom. Now you have to remember it's 80 percent black that that school, that particular school. A couple of the kids were like, oh, she used the N word and reported her. So she was put on administrative leave. So here's what happened. Um, a bunch of the students started a petition and they got 1,700 names, 1,700 signatures on this petition to get that teacher reinstated. Did she get that, her job back? She did. She got her job okay. because of those students. But, but here's the thing, though, Kelly. She didn't get her job back because of the parents. She got her job back because of the students. Because the students were smart enough to know that this isn't, this isn't an opportunity for you to cry about somebody being racist against you. This is an opportunity for you to learn about the history of why these words hurt. Right. You know? And it's just like, oh. We need to uh, we need to give kids more credit. I think, um, you know, the, there's a there's a group of students that want a, a student representative on their school board. Now, of course, you can't have voting rights unless you're 18, and that's a lesson that those kids need to learn. Maybe that's something that we need to talk to them about. But I do believe that there should be student representation on school boards. Sure. You know, I, I think kids we don't give them enough credit. And uh, the parents that are doing it right are raising kids that are doing it right. And here's the thing. Doing it right doesn't mean you're perfect. Doing it right means that you screw it up less often than the rest of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, lordy, lordy. So it's going to be a great show. We have um, Baron Whited is going to be on here, and he's going to be talking to us about uh, discussions that keep families together. And... Uh, and then we're going to be uh, talking to, in the third segment, Heidi Pullman about uh, the two-minute marriage project. And before our break, I want to talk to you, Kelly, about our sponsor, Doc on Call 24-7. Have you yes. used that? I have not had a chance to, but I'm so excited that it's there when I need it. Had an opportunity to use them again. Oh, my. I can't even tell you. Yeah. I, <laughs> Right? Seriously, I had to figure out if I had pink eye or if I just had, like, dust and stuff in my eyeballs. Uh, Once again, did not want to go to an urgent care and sit in a nasty, scummy waiting room with sicko kids. So I went to Doc on Call 24-7 and uh, just got on the phone with them this time. And they asked me my symptoms, and I told them, and they said, you just have dirt in your eyes. So, uh, yeah, so you have to check them out, DocOnCall247.com, Parent Nation, and uh, get your membership today. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Baron Whited. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central, on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Need a doctor but don't have time? Don't want to take your sick child out of the house? Doc on Call gives you access to U.S. board-certified doctors by phone or video conference. Avoid illness in waiting rooms. Don't take time off work. Call from the comfort of your own home. Get prescriptions when appropriate. 
no health restrictions. And the best part, no consultation fee. Don't put off going to the doctor. For only $18 per month, get 24-7 access to doctors for you and your family. Go to DocOnCall247.com slash ParentNation to sign up today. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be joined by our first guest. His name is Baron Whited, and he is um, he's he's a master in education, and he also is a school counselor, and um, all, he has all kinds of great degrees. But here's the thing that's cool is that he um, talks to parents and families about how they can bring everything back together. Uh, with daily conversations. And if you know anything about me and, you know, and how I work with parents and families, that communication, I think, is the the utmost importance to getting families back together. I think if we can have daily conversations with our kids and our spouses and teachers and all those other people in our lives, those daily conversations is what keeps everything connected. So I just absolutely love the work that... Um, that Baron is doing. So, hi, Baron. How are you? Hi. How are you doing? I am doing really well. Thank you. So, I absolutely love the concept of what you teach because it's very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. So, tell us a little bit about, I mean, first of all, you you come from experience in the education world. Yes. This isn't, you know, this, a, a lot of the people that come on that have written books and, and that sort of thing, they come from, you know, psychology and they come from pediatricians and they come from parenting in general, but you're coming more from like an educational guidance counselor type of background. Tell us about how that started for you. Yeah, I guess because coming from a small community in Pennsylvania, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for to explore and see what was out there. I mean, when I graduated college, I mean, I changed my major like six times. My mom and dad kept asking me, are you out of your freshman year yet? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, first I wanted to be a weather guy, which had no idea what they required all this math and science. Um, And I just kept changing my major, and I just couldn't identify with any type of field. And it wasn't until I got my bachelor's that I was working for an admissions department at a college, and someone said, you know what, Baron, you are more counseling than you're doing recruiting. Have you ever thought about going into counseling? I'm like, I said, I had bad experience, you know, with counselors. I said, I can't do that. So I started the master's program, and I absolutely loved it. Every concept was just overwhelming to me. I just, I had so much joy. It was the first time I can honestly say I felt good about what I was doing as far as a degree, classes, the homework. I, I didn't mind doing the homework and stuff. Wow. Yeah, which was a big step for me because I, I really struggled in high school. It, you know, I had to do like a lot of flashcards and had to go to a lot of tutoring sessions. So this was like the first time I actually felt like I had my I found my passion to do it. And then when I got a job at a college, 
as a college counselor, someone who came to me and said, look, there's this local TV station that is interested in doing a segment on college homesickness. Would you be willing to do it? Well, it's live television. There's no tape delays. I was scared to death. Um, and I did it, and it, I, I just had this overwhelming feeling that came over me, like I needed to continue on doing more stuff like this. And I've been very fortunate that um, in the Pittsburgh area where I'm from, the local TV station has put me on at least 15 times on different topics. And then another TV station in central Pennsylvania found out about me and has asked me to be an ongoing guest for them. And, so what is your what is your primary topic that you talk about? So it could be it's a whole range of things. So it could be things like how to prepare for the SATs, um, how to apply for scholarships, how to make the most of your summer vacation with your kids. Mm. Um, Usually I, I give them probably two or three ideas a month, and sometimes it works out in their schedule. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they're interested. Sometimes they're not. Right. Uh, but I, I've been very fortunate to do everything from elementary, middle school to high school and college. And I, I try to really tie in with what's current events as mm -hmm. well as what's happening with students every day. So I have to ask you a question as because my husband and I have these conversations all the time. So what do you think about the what the job of guidance counselor has morphed into? Because I remember when we were in high school, the guidance counselor's job was you would go in there a couple times and they would say, you know, you really should get on a different um, – uh, curriculum path because if you want to go to college, you should do this kind of thing. Now kids are going in there and it's like, you know, they're going to therapy. Right. Absolutely. It's definitely taken on a different role. I think, you know, when, even when I went to school, it was more like academic oriented or college, mm -hmm. you know, where you wanted to apply. And now it's taken on a whole different turn where kids that come to you have been bullied. Uh, they don't feel safe. They don't feel like they have a connection with anybody and they're just they're really struggling personally. So sometimes you do feel like a therapist um, and you try to connect them with the right resources and you really have to be available for them because your your day can change at a split second. True story. Yeah. So, and the thing that I find so funny is like when my, my sons were in elementary school, we went to the guidance counselor to talk about putting them on a behavioral plan or an IEP or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, as an elementary school guidance counselor, your job is so different than what it would be in middle school when kids are going through puberty and, and that's when, you know, bullying really starts to get crazy. And then in high school, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, when you're dealing with some serious depression and anxiety and stress and all of these heavy topics, do you think it's because, I mean, when we were in school, you would go to that one teacher that you could really talk to. And that was like your release, you know, that was your, your confidant. Do you think that we have, we've gotten so serious about teaching to the test that, and not being friends with the students. Do you think that we've taken that to such an extreme that the kids have nowhere else to go? Yeah, I, I would agree with that because there is such a high stress level to get those scores 
you know, where they need to be for the for each school district. So I do think, you know, sometimes that does happen. Now, I'm very fortunate that I work at a cyber school, which is mm. totally different. Um, Pennsylvania has a lot of cyber schools. Yes. And it's it's just like it, it's it's there's a lot of kids that come to us like I'm in middle school this year and I've seen so many different things like we have open office hours that the students can come to us and talk about whatever may be on their minds, you know, that day, even if they have something good to tell us. I always encourage them to tell us, hey, hey, you got an A on your English test. Let us know that. We want to hear the good things as well. Um, I, I think that we're trying to do the best we can to let the doors open. If you do have problems, come and see us. Uh, but sometimes that's hard because there is a lot of students that need support. Do you think that it has more to do with the fact that we are like uh, I'm from Pennsylvania, too. And yes, we do have a ton of cyber schools and online schools and all that stuff. And we also have um, developed this culture of kind of keeping your kids penned up mm -hmm. and sort of outsourcing their play to experts that can guide it in the most perfect way possible. Do you think that. We're, we're actually hurting kids by not allowing them to be in that social environment of public school and allowing them to fail in that environment or succeed in that environment or whatever the case may be, like just be. Right. And that's a very good question. I get this a lot uh, coming from a cyber setting. Um, one of the things that we really encourage and I really push all my kids is to get out and to volunteer to give back because it's going to come back to you tenfold. And we even have days that we'll go, we'll take a group of students and we'll go to the food bank and we'll give back. I think that is so important because cyber school is not for everybody. It's for, you know, the student that doesn't feel like maybe they don't feel safe. Maybe they've been picked on and maybe sometimes they're not welcomed in their school anymore because they've just failed or behavioral issues. So sometimes they come to us and we're the last resort for them. So we try to help them to get the classes they need in order to graduate. Um, I, I think there has to be a balance because cyber school is not for everybody. I mean, if you're a very social person and you want to see people every day, then probably cyber school is not for that student. Right. I have a social butterfly and, you me know, it's, right. And I, he just, you know, the only thing that he like he's like me, the only thing he likes about school is the social element. Right. So, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I was better friends with some of my teachers than with a lot of the students when I went to school. So it's kind of, you know, I, I feel sad for my kids a little bit because you can't, you can't just have a conversation. You can't go to from fifth period study hall and go down to Mrs. Murray's classroom and just sit there for 45 minutes and talk with her because right. now everybody's like, oh, is she a pedophile? You know, like right. you can't just you, you can't have a relationship with a student anymore as a teacher without somebody second guessing your motives. It's it's so creepy to me. Right. So you talk about um why it's important to keep a parent journal. And I do a lot of journaling, so I get it. But tell Parent Nation a little bit about what you what you mean by that. 
Okay, so I think it's really important because parents have so much on their plates. I mean, you know, their schedules are very full. A lot of times they're working a full-time job. When they come home, they're taking the kids to soccer practice, the band practice, whatever it may be. But they're not taking time for themselves. So I think it's really important for parents to write down, even if it's a couple times a week, a couple sentences, this is what happened to me today. This is how I felt I was faced with a very difficult situation, and I wasn't sure how to handle it, but I did the best that I could. So I think that's really important to write the things down and then go back to it after a period of time and see how you've progressed. Because the thing with journaling, it really opens up a lot of doors that you had no idea. Then you just sit there and think about it. If you write it down, it really helps you see a different perspective. Hmm. So I'm a real big parenting journal. That's so. Did you ever? Did you ever see the Stop Raising Einstein? No. That's great. That's awesome because that's my book. No. No, it's not. Is it? Yeah, it it is. It is. I'm so sorry. And no, it's all right. It's all right. It's it's okay. Like two million people and you. No, I'm like kidding. But no, no, no. I will order it there. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. But no, because I love reading parenting books, so I will definitely read it. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. What I was gonna say was you and I think very much alike because the entire premise of Stop Raising Einstein is based on daily journaling with your kid. Right. Right. So every day there's a journaling prompt that you ask your kid this question and your kid gets to ask you the same question. So you each journal because there's an accompanying kids journal, you know, and so you each journal your answers to each other. Right. How cool is that? That is cool. I like that. See, I knew that you would. Thank you very much. Oh, no, it is very cool. And, you know, I think, too, you know, with parenting, this is one of the things I talk about um, to parents. It's okay if you're not sure on how to handle a situation. Ask other parents if they've ever been faced with this, like people you feel comfortable with. I I think they have to have support themselves. It's, I think that's brilliant. And you know, I wonder how many parents would be like, I can't ask other parents to help me with my faults. That would be like admitting them. Right. It's that fear. (laughs) Yeah, there really is. And, you know, and little do they know, like they could really find out, oh, you, you dealt with a similar situation. This is how I handle it. But there may be an issue they don't want to bring up to someone else because what you had said, you know, they. Are they are those parents looking down upon them? So, yeah, I could definitely see that. It's so funny because if you really think about it, Byron, look at the the most popular parenting bloggers are the ones who are talking about their daily mistakes and their trip ups and stuff like that. So millions of parents will go on and read, you know, scary mommy's blog about how she, you know, totally screwed up a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the other day (laughs) and be sitting there going, Oh my God, me too. (laughs) So it's like, we, we think that the whole world is against us, but the fact of the matter is the whole world is just like us. Right. We just don't, uh, none of us want to admit it. It's right. so funny. And so, 
I want Parent Nation to be able to get a hold of you. Do you have a website or, or somewhere yes. that they can connect with you? They can reach me at www.baronwhited.com. And, and it, it has, like, all my appearances, my articles I've written, and there's a contact section that they can reach me at. And do you help families, too? Like, do you do counseling for families outside of the school setting? I don't do so much of uh, the counseling outside the school setting. Um, I do more, like, guest presentation. Like, I'm, I'm a bully, bullying prevention specialist, so I go into elementary schools, not within our school, but all around and talk about, you know, how they handle when they're faced with a bully, things like that. I do a lot of those types of presentations. That's awesome, because I'm also from Pennsylvania, so I'll have to keep my eyes open because... Yes. We've had some bullying prevention programs at our school, and uh, I have to tell you, as a parent, I went to some of them, and I thought, not really aligning with what you're saying there, folks. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I, I would love to uh, check that out. Yeah, and I love to talk about, you know, it seems like students can't relate unless they know, like, a celebrity has went through it, and that's mm -hmm. one of the things I talk about, different celebrities that have admitted that they've been bullied, and it's like, oh. I didn't know that. That's so, pretty amazing. That's awesome. I love the work that you do, Baron. Thank, thank you. Thank you so and much. I really enjoyed having you on the show, and we're going to put your thank information you. up on our Parent Nation Facebook page. And thank when you. We, um, absolutely. And we have to exchange information. Like, I'll send yes. you a copy of my book. Yes, um, please do. I want to read it. I want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Heidi Pullman. Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. McKay, author of the best-selling book, Use Your Head to Get Your Foot in the Door, includes job search secrets no one else will tell you. Harvey is a true ideal praxist. That's a person who puts ideas into practice. Harvey admits landing the right job can be more difficult than the job itself. And successful people can't have pornophobia. That's the fear of work. But in these economic times, it can be a necessity to make money any way you can. What's a word for using any means to make money? Cuomo de Kunquais. So what's the best job to have? Will Rogers once said, the best job in the country is the vice president. All he has to do is get up every day and ask, how is the president? It's words you never heard. 
I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. I just love our guests. Don't you love our guests, Kelly? We have awesome guests. <laughs> we do. I like Baron. He was pretty cool. So anyway, <laughs> he's going to have to read my book because I think he's really going to like it. Yes. We're going to have to send that to him. That's, uh-huh. that's a switch, isn't it? Yes. You know? The heck. So anyway, he's pretty cool. And I'm really super excited about my next guest, Heidi Pullman, because uh, she sent me this awesome book called The Two-Minute Marriage Project Book. And uh, here's the thing. We all know what we should be doing, but we just don't. And this book is so easy, and it kind of kicks you into gear and reminds you about the things that you should be doing that you're not doing on a regular basis that's mm-hmm. either helping or hurting your marriage. Right. And that's that's the kind of stuff that we really need to focus on. It's... Um, it's just a great book, so I'm excited to talk to her about it. Hey, Heidi, how are you? I am great, thanks. How are you? I am really well. I'm really well. So you're um, you're a mom of, like, four kids, right? Right. And you've been married for 15 years. Yep. So you know a little bit about how to make this marriage thing work. I and- think so. <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. I was I was reading through your book, and you know it, the thing the the one chapter that I loved the most I have to tell you is the one about perspective, because mm-hmm. it really reminded me of something that I've known forever, and I coach to people all the time, but I forget in my own relationships that the way I see things is based more on the way I want to see things and not necessarily the way they are. That is so true. There's so many different ways of looking at a situation. And in our marriage in particular, it's going to affect how we treat each other and the feelings that we have. If I think about the things that I wish my husband was doing or that I'm bothered by, you know, it's, it's easy for me to stop giving him the love and attention that he needs that then is going to strengthen our marriage. But if I can say, hey, yeah, maybe he didn't do the dishes tonight, but oh my gosh, he came home and he wrestled with the kids and he took care of them and he's reading stories with them. I mean, there's so many good things I can focus on. See, and I love that you use that as an example because how many moms, and come on, Parent Nation, be serious now, be honest with yourself. How many moms <laughs> would be out there after they just made dinner and fed the dogs and did the laundry and now they're out there washing the dishes and they're thinking, are you freaking kidding me? I'm doing all this work and, the, and you're in there playing? Rolling around right? the floor? Like, who wouldn't love that job, mister? You know? I know. It's so true. And it is so easy to get caught up in that cycle. I mean, that women are kind of known for this in, in marriage research. It's called nag withdraw because we're constantly thinking of, this is what you should be doing. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of us have a lot of things that we can do. We're, we're juggling. We, we've got lots on our plate. And, and we can multitask really, really well. And men aren't always as great at that. But they are good at some things. And, you know, what? we get to choose what we focus on. 
And yeah, my husband didn't do the dishes last night. I was doing the dishes and I made dinner. And for a second there, I was starting to let it bother me. Like, come on. But then I thought, you know what? I can gripe about this. But you know what? He is actually in the living room wrestling with my kids who haven't seen him all day. And I've been with my kids. So I'm going to focus on that. And you know what? That strengthens my relationship. That's pretty awesome. I I can't help but think, though, I mean, there's a lot of families out there. So I've been married for 247 years. <laughs> So, you know, it's so, you know, I have this thing. I know that there's a roller coaster. We have our up moments and our down moments. And we kind of like every once in a while we get on the same wavelength and then everything's like cute. And we make people vomit and we hold hands all the time. And then we go like on the downside of the hill. We, but we know that. What about the couples that are like in the counselor's chair, ready for signing the divorce papers is is two minutes really going to make a difference for that couple? Yeah, that is such a good question. Um, I have a couple of examples. One is from a guy who said the very same thing, and he's had some struggles in his relationship. And I asked him once, what is it that makes you feel loved? Can you come up with something that your wife does that makes you feel loved in your relationship? And the first thing he said, and he actually got kind of emotional when he said this, he said, it really makes me feel loved when my wife looks me in the eye and asks me how my day was. I mean, it's as simple as that. And even in a relationship that is struggling a little bit, he feels love in that relationship if there's a little thing like that. And a little thing on top of a little thing on top of a little thing over a period of time can really change the climate in a relationship that makes people feel loved and want to move forward together. Another example is a woman who sent me a message saying, I had been in a really bad cycle with my spouse, and there had been some infidelity earlier on in their relationship, and she wanted to move forward, but she felt herself building up these walls and holding a grudge and, and not being able to do the little things that made him feel loved and, and it made it harder for him to love her. But she said she, she read this book about, you know, two minutes and that she could really do little things every day in her relationship to, to heal their relationship and to feel love and to foster loving feelings, to care for each other. And she said once she started doing that and she took ownership, that it changed everything for them. And she, she credited it to, to this realization of that she could do little things every day to foster loving feelings. That's so awesome. I, I'm a big... Um... I'm a big supporter of the love languages. Mm -hmm. I think they're kind of amazing. And I think that, um, you know, the golden rule is cool. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Unless, of course, they don't give and receive love the same way you do. That is so true. And we are so inclined to do that. You know, if I love it when my husband does the dishes or whatever, then I think, gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to do something to serve him and do something kind for him. And, you know, he may not feel loved that way. I love a story from a guy named John, by the way, who had been married for a while and he kept washing his wife's car. He thought, ah, oh, that's, you know, I love it when my car is clean. I'm going to wash her car. I'm going to wash her car. And then one day he realized that she liked that, but that's not how she felt loved. And that she had finally told him, you know, what I really want is flowers. You know, that's what makes me feel loved. And it, it just makes you realize I probably should communicate with my spouse and we need to talk about how we each feel loved. Right? We forget that. And it's and as women, don't we kind of get into the space where of like, well, if you really knew me, then you would know what what I love. <laughs> 
you know? <laughs> We're so bad at that. We make assumptions like, yeah, you should know me. You should know what I mean, and you should know how I feel. But you know what? That's taking too much for granted probably. Clear communication is always best. We don't want to make assumptions that are going to get us in trouble or our husbands in trouble. Right. And I think the other thing is um, sneaky notes. Like, yes. <laughs> so, I love sneaky notes. <laughs> because like I'm I'm one of those people that I've I'm very in tune to other people, like the things that they say and the things that they do. Like I'm very in tune with how people are treating me relating back to how they want to be treated. But not everybody's mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So for my husband, it was one of those things like I, I knew like when he would come to, to me and he would be frustrated and I had done everything in my power to make him happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I had done everything that I thought was going to be good. Like we went to the movies and we spent quality time together and we snuggled on the couch and I bought him a present and, you know, and I told him how handsome and smart and wonderful he is in every possible way. And he did all mm-hmm. those things. And he came to me and he goes, you seriously didn't take out the trash? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, right? And I'm like, acts of service. Yeah. He's an acts of yep. service guy. My other that son. That may be is, it for him. Right? And so I had to make like little notes to myself of like <laughs> things that he would, things that would like tick him off. Like he'd come up to me and be like, you know, it would be so, super awesome if somebody could cut the grass without me asking 4,000 times. Oh, okay. So, you know, uh-huh. like. Those kind of things. And when we as spouses can kind of take the reins and start to notice those things and make notes of those things and start to see a pattern, mm-hmm. don't you mm-hmm. think it kind of makes it easier to go back and fulfill those, that, that happiness picture for that person? Oh, absolutely. It means so much more when we can jump on top of it before anyone has to ask or point it out because then you feel resentful because you're doing it not just out of love because you feel like you have to, but when we start to do things, you know, in anticipation of making our spouse excited or to, to show him or her that we love them and that we want to take care of them, we want to make them smile. But, yeah, it's hard sometimes to remember that all the time. I mean, we live in a world of such distraction, right? I mean, we're more connected oh. to people than ever before. And yet sometimes, God, at the end of the day, we haven't spent five minutes talking to our spouse and we're back on our phone checking, you know, Facebook or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's about, yes, reminding ourselves somehow do something for your spouse today. Do something for your spouse. Let him know that, that you love him, that you're grateful for him, that you care. Um, and, and it's so easy to forget. And that's why, you know, the main reason that people fight for getting divorced is just that they fell out of love. And it's so easy to do that if we are not constantly thinking, what is something that I can do to, to keep that spark today between me and my spouse? Do you think that if a couple is kind of in distress, that one person taking the reins with this concept can pull it back together? Or do you, does this have to be a collaborative effort right from the beginning? You know, it's, it's always best if both people want to make it work and both people want to be involved. But it's interesting, you know, in human nature, we have the tendency to want to reciprocate. And so even if just one person starts really taking action and doing something to create a spark, that there is a reciprocal effect. You know, if if either way, positive or negative, if someone starts being cranky and crabby and negative, you know, that's easy for the other person to want to be that way in return. But, you know, on the flip side, 
if you start being loving and reaching out and doing things to show yourself, serving your spouse, anything that you can that, that it makes the other spouse want to reciprocate and do that in return because they feel loved. And someone who feels loved is more likely to want to give love back. Yeah, it's I I know that personally I have been in some situations, I mean, 200 years is a long time to be married. And I, right? I, I know that we've, we've been in some, some real slumpy periods where neither one of us wanted to be the one who gave in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's normal, right. That led to some, you know, like decade long fights, but what you talk about forgiveness and being able to offer forgiveness, how do you inspire somebody who's in that, you know, funk to, to be the one to step up and say, I'm sorry? It, it is tough. It's always harder, I think, to be the one to step up and say, I'm sorry, can we make things right and move on? I mean, even if it's a little tiff. I've been there where you know, I think, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, he's being the one that's being stubborn. and But... This is how my neighbor, who's a marriage counselor, put it. He said, you can either be right. What was it that he said? He said, in marriage, if you win, you lose. You don't want to win at the expense of your spouse. It is never more important to win and to be right and to be the one standing on the high ground than, you know, you don't want that over your relationship being strong and good. So you don't want to win at the expense of your spouse. Whatever it is, you want a happy marriage more than being right, right? I mean, if you can ask yourself that, mm-hmm. is that what I want most? Do I want the, the power and the strength and the happiness that can come from a, a loving, giving relationship? And if that's what you want more than being right, then you do what it takes. And, yeah, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to be the one to say, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for my part. It, it does. It always takes two. Right. Two have an argument you know, or two to be in a slump. That's a beautiful way to put it, Heidi. I'm sorry for my part in that. And wow, doesn't that take away? It shows that, you know, I'm putting myself out there. I'm willing to make this work and I'm not apologizing for you. Mm. I'm apologizing right. for my part in that. Mm-hmm. And if that's, you know, if that hurt you, I'm apologizing for that too. One, it's so funny. One of the, the big moments in my, where my husband and I realized that we had a problem was when we were fighting with each other in front of our kids and they were really small and it was a Sunday Mm -hmm. habit. Like we would argue over the newspaper and, uh, you know, he, we started arguing and it got really loud. And my son who's three at the time came up and said, daddy, are we going to make mommy cry again today? Oh no. Right. And we kind of looked at each other and went, Wow, is this really what we're in this for? Wow, you know, yeah, is this how we want to teach? It's so easy to get community? caught in that because it, in some ways, it feels good to just be able to let it out and to argue and to fight, and then you don't realize all the damage that you might be creating around you. You know, and I, I think it's okay to have a discussion, to have a debate, even, and and some studies say that that's good for kids. Like, don't hide a disagreement necessarily, but when it gets to the point where it's disrespectful, where it's mean. But that's, you know, you got to take a break. You got to do something to cool yourself down. And if you want to have a discussion over a disagreement, because, yeah, we're, we're human beings. 
and we're different human beings. So we have different opinions, we have different ways of doing things, and we're constantly affecting each other with everything that we do. It's, you know, marriage is, is the perfect breeding ground for conflict in a lot of ways because we're so close and different people. But if we can simply learn how to, to communicate and, and do conflict well, to, to fight the good fight, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. then, then it's okay and we won't damage our relationship or, you know, our kids who see disrespectful ha- behavior happening. I so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something to, uh, to be motivated to get right. Oh, thank you so much for that, Heidi. I want to make sure that everybody knows how to get a hold of you. Your book is called The Two-Minute Marriage Project, and it's your name is Heidi Pullman, P-O-E-L-M-A-N. We're going to put this information up on our website so everybody knows where to find it. And I want to thank you, and I want to thank Baron Whited for being my guest today. And if you want to check us out on Facebook, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, join the conversation at Parent Nation Radio on Facebook or TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next week, everybody, keep playing. With Tara Kennedy Klein. Want more real talk for real parents? Seriously, Parent Nation, not every decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling?